ladies, gentlemen, welcome one, welcome all to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza. It is episode 208, and we are here off the back of another emphatic win against someone who wears that that color. What is, what is that? They, they call it something maroon or something? They call it claret and blue. Claritin or Claret, 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 Claritin, Clear, Claret and Clear, baby. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, it's two, two, two weeks in a row where we've just absolutely destroyed someone with that colorway away from home. Except we, you know, there's a bit of a sour note on it. It's the fact that we didn't get a sixth. Um, I'm frankly furious about that fact. Obviously, kidding. It's eleven goals. Without an answer. Well, actually, it might be more than that. Um, but regardless, in the last two games, 11-0, to zero, man. I mean, what what more could we ask for? Um, with me today is my my fellow Yank co-host of the Extra Cannon podcast. It is Mac Johnson, the celebrity. Mac, what's up, dude? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. It's uh, I'm a little hungover. I had a big old night last night. I, ugh, I can't even speak. Had a big old night out last night. Um with the uh it was one of my my buddy's dad's birthday and which you know means an open bar and we took advantage um had a blast great night but an even better morning um waking up to to a five nil thrashing was beautiful um and it feels a little different than the west ham one you know in, in a sense that West Ham, we were coming back against some adversity. We've we lost to them twice at, at that point in the season, and it was just like, finally, you know, finally we show a team that are not as good as we make them look, or that they have played against us. You know, we've dominated them in three games, and they won two of them, and it was just nice to let our dominance shine. This one just felt clinical to me, you know? Like, I I don't want to be disparaging to Burnley but it was a cakewalk. It was just, they were not that good. It was really easy. Um, and, you know, again... We'll, that, we'll touch on them a bit, because I think yeah, we kind of have to. Yeah. I think we kind of have to, but at the same time, again, I said this last week against West Ham, but it rings true still. That's the kind of game where in previous years we'd win it 2 or 3 nothing and missed five open chances. I think in this one, you know, there weren't many bad misses. We for the most part, we're playing in first gear, if not second gear, and just kind of romped to a big victory. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just nice that we're kind of gaining and gaining in the ruthlessness sense without, you know, somehow losing out on the way that we play or our team structure or anything like that. I mean, it was, again, I think it's going to be one of those podcasts where we might forego our canon concerns, although I think you might have one um, just based on our pre-match chat. But yeah, so, you know, not a bad thing, but yeah, just in general, hell of a match, a lot of fun. And I think the thing I was most impressed with, and we'll get onto this, is just the, 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 the variety of scores. Um, I'm very glad the man that got the fifth goal got the fifth goal, but yeah, man, what a match. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure it could have gone any better. I guess maybe I would have. I would have really liked to see an Emil Smith Rogel off the bench uh, if I were to make it perfect. Oh, true. Um, but but I mean, regardless, you know, we've got Bukayo Saka showing everyone that he is the goal machine. 
Um, Leandro Trossard, the purple patch continues. He's been absolutely phenomenal lately. Um, Kai Havertz, um, I think he was in a weird period. He's been in a weird period where he's been in really good form, but just hasn't really been getting the goal contributions. So I think he could have really used that. And then you could really say the same thing for Martin Odegaard as well, because Martin Odegaard has just been lights out recently. But I just found myself coming into this game saying, I love a Martin Odegaard goal. And then, well, there you go. Fourth minute, absolute rocket of a finish. From, from his office. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. And a wonderful assist, the, the Travilla uh, from, from Martinelli to, to find him. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than this. Um, heading into the Champions League game that's coming up in the midweek, I think this was the sort of statement that we needed. Now we've got... Obviously, this is going to all change because as we record, we're doing it post-game again because you guys came out in full numbers, man. Um, we, like, doubled our, our listens um, from, from releasing it so early. So you're getting treated to another early podcast. By the way, folks, if you keep listening, guess what we're going to keep doing? We're going to keep releasing it early. So um, there you go. But, yeah, um, as things stand, um, this, this probably won't be the case for much longer. City and Chelsea are nil-nil, and we've got the best goal difference in the Premier League. Um so it's it's a different side to the one that went to Dubai, really, man. I mean, we have just absolutely turned on our very own heads. And uh, this side, Mac, really just looks like a team that is going to push the likes of Man City and Liverpool all the way to the end of the title charge. And, hey, I'll say it, and we are going to get into this in this episode as well. We are Champions League contenders also. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, to... I think just to start with the Champions League portion of things, um, these two UCL fixtures against Porto are uh, are flanked by, you know, some pretty difficult fixtures. I would say, inter- relatively speaking, um, of course, this one has Burnley before, and then we play Newcastle at the weekend, um, and then for our second fixture, we have Brentford before, with Chelsea at the weekend, um. Not super easy. We've got a, a Sheffield United uh, I, match in the middle uh, of that. Not that should to, be okay, but like, yeah, not to diminish Brentford or Newcastle, but I think we have to win. Those, those are those well, are again, yeah, they're must win. But Newcastle's been one of those teams that has a shitty habit of really playing us harder than they should. And Bruno Gimmerich, for some, I think after we were linked to him for so long and then he made a move elsewhere, he just really takes it out on us every time we play. He's a little rat. But uh, a little pissed off I, he didn't get to move I'm to our a, side, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I think so too. I was talking to somebody yesterday about how much I dislike him. Um, but yeah, anywho, I, I think it's good in, in a sense that we've started as we mean to continue. You know, it's a statement of intent the fact that we've scored 11 in the past two. It's this is the type of form that you'll see City hit around this time of year that starts one of those, you know, mystical, magical runs. And I don't necessarily want to compare them to us because I think we're very different in a lot of good ways. But it's a comparison that does bear repeating because they are the best team the Premier League has probably ever seen down the stretch. And for us to be mimicking that style of play, you know, holds really great importance for us looking into uh, into a title race at the end of the season. Um, and the goal difference is also huge it's massive to have 11 goal difference um 
Sorry, I'm watching Chelsea counterattack as we go. Nicholas Jackson has just absolutely fluffed a chance. He's he's had yeah, a one heard on that. One. He, he's had a one on one with Ederson and has stuck it right into his freaking stomach. That's so bad. Yeah, literally, well, he, there was no one else in the box. Regardless, I digress. <laughs> um, yes, I watched soccer while podcasting. We've been over this, but no. Um, that that I think is is the Champions League portion of things. Um, you know, it's the perfect time to have a win like this. Really, is I think where I'm going to end this point off. Just I couldn't have hoped for more. No, and I mean, you know. It- there was a lot of questions, right, rightly, about our yeah. goal scoring abilities. Um, but you know, Liverpool, Burnley, and West Ham. You know, I, 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 I mean, we're talking fourteen goals, thirteen unanswered. By the way, so this this team has really got itself into a really nice nice patch of form. And I guess from there, that's when we'll kind of get into the more structured bit of the show. We'll talk about good stuff first. I'll I'll, I'll go. First, if you don't mind, Mac, um, and saying that it's a bit basic, but it's just the goals by committee sort of a thing. I, I love these sort of score lines where you see five nil, four different goal scorers. You know, and the only reason there was even a repeat is because Bukayo Saka has turned into an absolute monster that has just decided, right, I take the penalties now. Um, regardless, it probably would have been. Um, Martin Odegaard, if it wasn't him. Also saw Kai Havertz kind of in the mix, too. I think he maybe was was a bit interested in it. Um, good penalty taker, as we've seen in the past. But, you know, uh, it's regardless, five goals, four different goal scorers, and there's a lot of questions coming up about strikers. And I personally am fine with those questions because I think that this team could use a, uh, you know, kind of clinical guy up top, um, which, by the way, that's going to be something I talk about a bit in my can of concern. Um, but, man, I mean, this, this, is, this is what the elite teams do. They share goals. We just we literally saw it with Liverpool earlier in the day. We'll probably see it after Man City inevitably beat Chelsea 3-0. You know, it says that they, they share the goals. It's not gone are the days where Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi score all the goals for their team. Sure, you'll have a top goal scorer. That's fine. Fair enough. But... Everybody on the pitch has to score goals. And, Mac, we clearly have a very strong ability of doing that. And we do it in a diverse way. Like, our goals are all very different from one another. You know, one today you had a, a cross to the top of the box. The other, Kai Havertz goal, <laughs> was probably one of the worst bits of defending I have ever seen in the Premier League from a pretty non-menacing throw-in from Kivior and Kai Havertz just proceeded to dribble through him like he was Lionel Messi. Um, and then, you know, you, you couple in uh, Bukayo Saka's finish off the right, whatever. Um, just a committee of goals, a wide array of different ones. Um, aside from the penalty, aside from the penalty, we didn't score from a set piece today, you know? So we had four goals come from, from open play. I guess maybe you could technically call Havertz's one sort of because Kivior threw it directly into to Kai Havertz, but I mean, regard basically four from open play, if we're being honest. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something to be excited for, I think, going into the rest of the season because that was an area of our game that looked like it was lacking. Now it's not. I mean, there's no looked like about it. It was lacking, right? And I mean, didn't we literally have, yeah, episode 202 is literally titled Finishing. 
And I think we, our predictions then were right. You know, there was a lot of conversation about we need a killer. We need someone who can do all of this, who can, you know, score the goals, come up in big moments. But I think what we're really starting to realize is that that's true in those kind of murky patches of form. But when this team plays with confidence and cohesion and togetherness, you know, sky's the limit. And I also think it's important to note um, in terms of that cohesion that we've started the same team two matches in a row. Um, and it is a team, notably, without two of our the real keys to our success last season in uh, Zinchenko and in Gabriel Jesus. And, you know, that's not to say that West Ham, who are in shit form, and Burnley, who are just bad, uh, are, you know, sterling opponents against whom, like, we should, right? Like, it, against whom we would have to play all of our, like, big name superstars, you know, the, the kind of, the, the first names on the team sheet, as it were, because I think when, when Zinchenko and uh, Gabby are fully fit, they both fill that mold. But just I, I think it's it's nice to see consistency and it's nice to see a good patch of form coming from players like Kai Havertz and Leandro Trussard and Jakob Kivior, by the way, uh, has been very good in the past few matches. Uh, Again, didn't face, uh, didn't face yeah. much of a challenge today, but uh, he's been good. So no, he, I thought he fit in today. I don't think he really did anything wrong at all, honestly. Yeah, that I can think he, of. Uh, I mean. He had the lovely goal. There's a lovely ball across for somebody's somebody's goal. I want to. Was it Trussard's? I think he played the ball into the box that came through. Think so. I'm just going to clarify yeah. that real quick. Go ahead. Uh, no worries. He he didn't get an assist. I know that. At least I could be wrong. But yeah, man. Um, he definitely. I think he was the one that popped up on the left wing because I thought it was Kai because it was a tall white guy. Uh, and then Kai with the chance in the box that ended up coming to Trussard. But yeah, um, he got his goal. I'm not worried. But yes, so just in general, I think that translates pretty well into a lot of my good stuff. Because again, the goals by committee are huge. And I think I, I, there was a BR football Instagram post that was like, oh, Martin Odegaard joins the famous ranks of Arsenal creators and it had like Ozil and Bergkamp and Kazorla and Fabregas in the back. And I was like, you're posting this now? You're posting this after he destroyed Liverpool, tore them apart, and then got two assists last week against West Ham. Like, he played really, really well today, but it's just kind of becoming the standard. Um, yeah, I think for, for, for the first of my, of my many good stuffs um i want to talk about the fact that a lot of our players were not notable today and that might be weird but like on how many occasions were we like oh yeah saliba had to be called upon or declan rice has come up with another big one or you know like it was nice to see a lot of the players again like burnley are a good team they play well in possession especially they're clever they're brave they take risks you know um there's a lot to be said for them and a lot of the reasons they've got the results they have this season are because they're young and pretty talented but to an extent they kind of feel like they're doing what southampton did last year which is buy a bunch of kids and you know hope that exciting 
notion works out and it's not totally working and I don't think it's going to work. I think they're going down, but at the same time, you know, Southampton were one of our bogey teams last year. And so to have us really just waltz the way we did and in some ways to have all of like really our defensive superstars because our attack, you know, I have nothing but praise for them. They were unbelievable. But to really say that we didn't hear many of their names called in a defensive sense all game, I think just speaks to the level of control and dominance that we had in a match that maybe wasn't necessarily hard to dominate. But like, it's it's difficult. I mean, shit, the uh, the Olays were coming out in like the 70th minute, right? We started early with those. Um, we were out singing the Burnley fans the whole time. It was it was just a flawless occasion. And I think, you know, the the relative lack of focus on our defensive line says something about the way we dominated the game. So yeah, that's that's my first yeah. element of good stuff. I no, I fully agree. I I I just was pulling up the, the clean sheet stats too. Um David Raya for for goalkeepers has the joint most along with uh Pickford who's who's also got eight I thought they did this funny thing where apparently William Saliba has the most clean sheets in the Premier League. I just always thought they threw goalkeepers on there. I didn't I didn't know they put uh, central defenders, but but I mean there you go. Um our our defense has turned into has has gone from something that that for decades was something that was questioned about Arsenal. Now it's so good they don't even talk about it. Like talk about a crazy, crazy transition and and all do uh I'll do credit to, to Mikel Arteta because there's um, there's that quote from somewhere. I, I can't remember who exactly said it, but basically, if you're a defensively good team, it means you're well coached. But attackers, it's kind of about individual talent. Um, and how sturdy our defenses really does show just how good of a coach Mikel Arteta really is. And again, I'm going to sing the praises of David Raya once more, um, just as I did in the last episode, because I thought in this game it was even more uh, prevalent because in, in the one against West Ham, he didn't really have to do anything. In this game, there was probably two, three, maybe even four shots that just randomly came out of nowhere. And though he basically could have taken a nap for probably 85 minutes of the game, when those moments came, boom, he's on it. No problem. He's a professional. You know, I mean, I, we all love Aaron Ramsdale, but this David Rye is like a robot, man. I mean, and, and he's really taking us, I think, and this defense to um, to higher levels that maybe, who knows, maybe we could reach him with Ramsdale, but maybe not, you know. So, um, well, anyway, I, I do want to talk, talk a little bit more about Burnley as we talk about good stuff as well. I'm going to kind of tie them together. Um, I do have time and respect for, for Vincent company for just trying to totally change that team into something that it never has been, you know, for the longest time ever, it was Sean Dyche, Brexit, you know, every player's English, you know, horrible football, park the bus. But to be fair, that's when we hated playing against them. Now, when I see Burnley's coming up, I'm like, Oh, wonderful. Um, because there is a team basically, that comes up to the Premier League every season that tries to do this. And what you're seeing with Burnley right now is basically how it always goes. Um, but regardless, I thought there were actually elements of their game today that I was impressed with coaching-wise. I thought they, at the beginning of the match, in spite of going behind early, I thought they did pretty well with their press. 
Um, they clearly have cojones. They're trying to play the ball out from the back against our uh, our crazy press, um, which is which is wild. But I mean, they they stuck to their guns and and fair play to company for for making him do that. Obviously, wasn't on the touchline today, but but it's it's clear that he is a very good coach. I think maybe Mac. I don't know if you want to chime in on this at all uh, before we talk about a few more good things, but it just sort of feels like a job that was bound to not really work out for a manager like company who kind of seems more in the vein of like, uh, he's not to these guys level yet, but to like a uh, Mikel Arteta and Javi Alonso, how they want to play that, that beautiful football. And I just think it would take probably five to 10 years to realistically get Burnley to that point, And even just allowing them to survive in the premier league because their history is just steeped in essentially shit football. Yeah, I mean it's it's another from sort of from the Guardiola train. I think he played under him at uh at Bayern. But yeah, um company I think is a great coach. I mean, you know, we'll have to look back at the championship to see it, but like they had an unbelievable season against, you know, in the second tier, but I think it's really clear that they came up and are playing the same football in the same way. It's a team that really understands what company's trying to do. And, you know, they've brought in James Trafford. They brought in some really good players, but this, they weren't what that, you know, the team that came up and over, and frankly, none of the teams that have come up this year really were the team that like came up and overhauled their whole squad. I remember that summer, like Fulham spent like 120 mil. They're not that team. Um, they're not those guys, but, you know, again, they bought young, they bought clever, they bought players that are really going to be unbelievable as this project advances. But in some ways, I almost grouped them in the same category as Luton, you know, where their whole plan for eventual success was to have like a really sustained Premier League run in like two years, you know? Great and, point, to be fair. Yeah. And I think that's where Burnley are because, again, they're young, they're hungry, they're talented. And I think, you know, if and when they go back down, Vincent Company is again going to show us why they are a force to be reckoned with in the championship. I do genuinely think they're going to be one of those teams that kind of keeps pushing those boundaries until they sort it out if they choose to stick by him, which they should because he's a great manager. But, yeah, man. Um, again, I think... I, I don't see why they won yeah. at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, and then yeah. that's the manager they brought in. You know, it's a project. And that's a lot of what I admire about Burnley at a certain point. Um, I think it's really just like, it's, I think they'll figure it out. It's not going to be this year for them and they could definitely use a better striker. But I, uh, you know, like I think Burnley with someone on the level of an Ivan Tony would genuinely be scary in like two seasons time. So I don't know, man. I, uh, they're fun. I have a lot of respect for them. Company's a good coach, but, they sucked today. They were really bad. And I think there's no getting around that. You know, it's it's one of the things at a certain point that convinces me that we really have entered the, that kind of elite echelon. And by elite, I mean like top five teams in the world echelon because we're there. I have confidence in saying that, but I don't know. I, I think um, you could confidently say top three, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. What, it's the two of us and... I'd probably Liverpool. Yeah. To be honest. But, right. But like at a certain point, Daniel, 
that's what happens as a Burnley when you play one of the top teams in the world, when you play, you know, it, it like that's a scoreline that you'd expect to see when Burnley play City. And to have us, again, eking those out, not to go back to City again, I, maybe just because I'm watching them play, but not to go back to City again. But that, I think, is, again, it's just a hallmark of of the caliber of our team right now. No, I fully agree. And I mentioned this in the chat, too. We just didn't really see games like this under Arsene Wenger. You kind of get those. And they were, you know, they're, they're great memories I have of like the three nils at the Emirates uh, to Man United to Chelsea, where you just we would have like a 15 minute spell where we just went crazy, scored three goals and we could probably keep going. And then Wenger would just like stop them. In retrospect, now I'm kind of like, why did we stop? We should have just pummeled them. Who knows? Maybe it would have built more confidence. Um, I'm sure Wenger looked at it like, well, you know, we, we could conserve some energy going into the next fixtures, which fair enough. But I think Arteta understands the value of essentially putting the ball into the back of the net over and over again. It's just going to make your forward players um, all, all the more confident. Um, one more good thing I think uh, it would be uh, good to touch on is just the fact that Arteta, I thought, did uh, use his substitutes really well today. Um, basically, the game was dead, and he said, right, there was absolutely zero reason for Saka to stay on the pitch anymore. Um, well, let's just put the likes of Cedric on, you know, for Ben White and and save our really, really important players for you know, we say all the time that, oh, this league game, this is the biggest game of the season so far, this, that, the other. This midweek fixture coming up to Porto is probably Arsenal's biggest fixture in 10 years. You know, I mean, and I know we were in the Champions League um, just five, six years ago. But, you know, after our long term absence from it, we have to really show show everyone that we belong in this competition. And by taking off your superstar players that basically play every minute of every game, you're keeping them fresh. You're uh, rubbing them. What? Whoa, yikes. Um, you're wrapping them in that uh, bubble wrap, uh, you know, prior to just this, this giant game. So kudos, Arteta. Perfect day at the office, I think. Um, I guess with that, we'll we'll try to make this a little negative, Mac. But once again, like last episode, it's going to be pretty difficult. Um, worry not, though, folks. I've, I've got something up my sleeve. Um, I don't know if Mac Johnson uh, had something, though. So, Mac, if you got anything that's just been worrying you, obviously it could be a bit more long-term, because mine's going to be. And, uh, yeah, fire away, and we'll, we'll talk about it a bit before we get into my, I think, pretty big canon concern that, that a lot of people are probably also in agreement with. There's, there's nothing really specifically long-term for me. In fact, my canon concern um, will operate well off the back of of yours daniel um a little bit but yeah man i i would say i truly don't have many concerns about this team at the moment um as raheem sterling has just scored against manchester city let's uh, go vamos Cole palmer's next um yeah i but I think, you know, my concern is, is, is long-term, Daniel. And it is our ability to sustain this level of form. Because that's what we're going to need to do in order to challenge for a Premier League title. We are not a terribly experienced team when it comes to competing in the 
upper echelons of the Premier League and the Champions League at the same time. I say that specifically because the last time we were in the Champions League was 2016-17, so it's been eight years. Um, and none of this squad, well, maybe maybe Moel Nenny, but I don't think so. None of the squad other than that. He just feels like he's been around forever. Uh, he has, around. yeah. No, yeah. He's, uh, he's scored against Barca. Yes. Oh, like, my God. Legend. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, back before he was, he was the Thursday night in Yesta. Um, yeah, I, you know, we, <laughs> I forgot about that. I, well, Ka- but, to be fair, Kai, Kai Havertz has a bit of experience in well, you know, yes, scoring Champions uh, League final goals, but yeah. But, but, but I mean that us, right. In terms of this project and this team and this identity, it's, it's something new. And I do not, you know, all of the underlying metrics and all of the numbers and all of the suggestions say that we will be fine. But this is my concern, not as an analyst, but just as a fan, is that I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be like, I don't think it's going to go wrong, but there's the opportunity that it is going to go wrong. And we had so much confidence at the end of last season. I think it's been a last season hangover too. Like we were so excited about last season. I, I hope I didn't do it live on air, but I think I did at some point right before we like lost those two on the bounce and then drew or whatever it was, I was asked about my confidence in the title. And I said 80% or something like that, maybe even 90%, but he was a high ass number because we had three games that we were locked on to win and should have won and didn't win. And, you know, it's in the same way that Spurs are going to Spurs to an extent. That's the history that I've learned with Arsenal in my, in my lifetime, in my fandom, in my experience. And uh, I don't think it's going to repeat itself because this iteration of Arsenal is like nothing I've seen from us before. Um, but at the same time, it's it's just lurking in the back of my mind. It is it is unsubstantiated. It is not backed up by fact. It is just a a, a primordial fear that is my canon concern. So yeah, man. I said it was going to link into yours. Um, I lied because I changed my mind halfway through talking about I, it. I think it, it kind of does, though. I, I, I think it does, and I think you're going to segue this brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will. Um, I just to let you know, I, I think you're getting some feedback off of your off of your wires in your mic or something. Sound like there was a little uh, weird weird noise going on or something. I'll fix it. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, but I I can't help but agree, and I, I have said the same thing in the past about us uh, going on to win the Champions League, um, just because I think that we have the talent to do so, but sadly, soft factors and emotions are a thing, especially in this team. It's kind of one of those things where, like a Man City player, for example, they probably don't really give a shit about Man City, because why would you? I mean, you're just playing for a, a basically an artificial team that came out of nowhere and became the best team ever. And then when you play for somebody like Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, by the way, for some reason, I've been being lumped into this conversation. Bayern Munich might get dumped out by Lazio, by the way. I'm sorry, they're not good. But I, I've watched some Bayern games this season. They don't look good at all. They probably won't win the league. They, they don't look good enough. Tuchel, I think, has to be sacked. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, the, the thing you get, though, from playing for those clubs like Madrid or Bayern is sort of the protection from the fact that that badge has lifted that big-eared trophy multiple times, Madrid being the literal specialist in doing so. So they don't have the pressure on them. Arsenal have never won the Champions League. 
So there's going to be a shit ton of pressure on the likes of our young players, especially. But I think the guys that would be able to make a difference, Mac, are the fellows that have been there and done it for a long time. The likes of, unfortunately, Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko. Probably Thomas Partey you could lump in there, too. Um, Kai Havertz and Jorginho as well. Um, but this is where my canon concern comes in. I just mentioned him. Um, Jesus and Zinchenko. Um, the Tacticos are going to want to snipe me in my apartment for this, but I don't think long-term these guys are the answer for our, our success. I get they're good players. I get Zinchenko. Z Mac, I mean, you feel free to disagree with me if you want to, but Zinchenko's probably our most technically gifted player. You know, maybe you throw Odegaard in there too. But I would, I would say it's those two, right? I, I think I would personally, but Zinchenko's quite close. Um, yeah. My yeah. other random canny concern on the back of yours is that there's a terrible sure. market for left backs in the world. Like there just aren't <laughs> many good ones. But interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, you're you, you, in Timber. Yeah. Right, I was going to say, you could sort of see Yuri and Timber adopting that position next season, and Arteta just doing some weird thing, like having a, a right-footed player at left back. But um, with regards to Zinchenko and Jesus, it's just the amount that they bring to the table, mentality-wise and tactically, cannot be called into question at all, in my opinion. But what can be is the fact that they're basically only available for half a season. Availability is availability. Uh, that's it. You know, it's such a cliche, but it's the truth. And and these guys combined, they're making you know, uh, it's not it's not as bad as it used to be. But both of them combined are making Mesut wage. You know, and and then you just factor in that they're not playing half the time. Like it was infuriating to hear that both of them were ruled out today. It's like seriously, why? So it, it begs the question. Did Man City just know this about them the entire time? That, oh, well, these guys, Jesus and Zinchenko, are pretty good, but guess what? They're not going to bring you to a title. They don't have it in them. They're, they don't have the legs. Um, I think we're going to get to a point where I, I genuinely believe next season, Jurian Timber is probably going to be our starting left back, with Zinchenko as sort of a, an, an absolute best-in-the-world secondary option in, in the area. And then we'll probably buy a very, very good striker, and Jesus will find himself, just as Zinchenko, in the exact same place that they were when they left Manchester City. And I think ultimately, Mac, that's their level. They belong at the best team in the world, but maybe they just can't be playing all the time. And I think that's kind of got the potential to hurt us this season. Uh, which which does worry me a bit because I know Trossard's in a, in a really good vein of form, but we've already seen it from previously in the season that uh, he he can also hit some pretty rough patches. Let's hope he doesn't. But this team is no doubt a, a side that looks better when uh, Jesus and, and Zinchenko are in it. But yeah, that's basically is my kind of concern is the issue that they're not hardly in it. I mean, um, Mac, I think it was you that brought up Tomiyasu in the chat, how, how he just got a new long-term contract. You see, the difference is I'm fine with that because Tomiyasu is not a starter at this club. Uh, like, that's that's it. That's I, I mean, he's he's the same thing. He belongs at this very high top level, one of the best 1v1 defenders probably in the world, but he just doesn't play every game. He's just a Swiss army knife that can 
put out a, a quick maybe closing performance in each position uh, position across the back line. Jesus and Zinchenko are starters, and they're basically never available. So, ah, uh, yeah, I, that's that's I guess a, a long-winded way of me saying I'm very concerned about their injury record. And then Thomas Partey wasn't he supposed to come back three weeks ago? I mean, like, what's going on for the skeptic? We won't go into anything on the podcast, but for the skeptic, it looks a little bit sus, you know? And, um, yeah, so injuries, basically, because <laughs> uh, they're kind of what killed our season uh, last time out. But regardless, that was me and my negativity. I had to just get that all out, folks, because we didn't have any uh, last episode. So, so pardon me and my pessimism. But let's get back to the West Ham game a bit, Mac, and uh, talk about so maybe explosive moments. I don't know what kind of time we're at, but I feel like we're kind of just powering through this going really quickly. Um, if you want to give me an explosive moment and then we could just maybe chat quickly about the upcoming game to Porto and, and draw his bad boy to a close, keep it nice and short. Uh, yeah, fire away with that explosion. Well, before I do that, uh, I do, nice uh, line, by the way, I do want to quickly talk about Zinchenko uh, just because I remembered this stat and had to pull it up. Um in his Premier League campaigns for Manchester City, he played uh, 1,100 minutes in 2018, 1,200 minutes in 2019, 1,400 minutes in 2020, and 1,000 minutes in 2021, give or take some. Um, he played 2,000 for us last year. Like, that puts it in perspective. You know, if you look where their minutes were, Jesus was a perennial, unbelievably, like, every time he scored, they won. I think that was a statistic for, like, 50 matches or something like that. But at the same time, he also was off the bench for them a lot. Would start some games, but not many, and would start at right wing more than he would at striker in a lot of instances for them. Um, and, you know, Zinchenko is a rotation player. So I do, I do agree with you, frankly. I think that there is some concern to be had about their minutes. But that let's talk explosive moments um i think i have two in mind and they're both goals unshockingly odegaard from his office four minutes in sets the tone i think it's hard to ignore but my second choice would be bukayo saka's second goal if only because that that right-footed roofed finish is one of my favorite things in sports at this point like it oh I, we know he's good at his left, but that goal he's now done three or four times, and it is a consistent favorite of mine. Um, so personal pride says it's Saka. Realism says it's Martin Odegaard. It's the game winner, which is funny, but it's just the way to start, you know. Yeah, I, those would be my two as well. I'll, I'll go with Odegaard because I, I agree. I mean, when when you're when an absolute banger scored against you four minutes into the game, it's just got to be so demoralizing. Um, but yeah, that soccer finish was absolutely incredible. Um, and was that so? Is that thirteen league goals this season? Is it for for Bukayo Saka? I mean, am I correct? Twelve. Sorry. I'm, regardless, that's an incredible return. Um, we've still got a lot of games to go. So I, I was saying it looks like he's going to be the guy to pick up Martinelli's 15-goal mantle. Don't think there's pretty much, knock on wood, but don't think there's pretty much any doubt there now. Um, yeah, he just looks like he looks like maybe that killer that, that Ian Wright was uh, was referring to. Um, 
But yeah, the explosive moment has to be Odegaard's finish because, I mean, if there were any nerves, which I don't think there probably really was ahead of this game, but if there were, um, those those all went away from the uh, just extremely, extremely early goal. Mac, um, what, what time are we at, by the way? This is the bad thing about Discord is I can never Isn't tell. Isn't it just? Um, well, <laughs> good, good mid-podcast chatting. Uh, we started this recording. It's 40 minutes we're in. Uh, we started okay, at cool. 1246. It's now, wait, that can't be right. Oh, no, it is. That's math. It's now 126. So, yeah. <laughs> That's why we're writers, folks. Um... I, I can't do math. Simple addition <laughs> is one of my is one of my many weaknesses. <laughs> Same. Um, okay, well, let's, yeah, let's chat about uh, the upcoming Porto uh, Champions League return um, for a few minutes, and then we'll, we'll kind of draw it to a close. But obviously, uh, Mac, I would be remiss if I failed to... Um, talk about the fact that Tottenham Hotspur are Tottenham Hotspur, and that is a, a beautiful thing to say. Um, falling short to Wolves at home. Um, so well done to Postacoglu, who's obviously, you know, gone and, and galvanized that team and, and helped turn them into um, a real force to be reckoned with. Um, a force to be reckoned with for themselves is obviously what I mean there. Um, Mac, we're going to Portugal first. I like when this happens. I like getting the yucky away game out of the way, especially in Europe. Um, I felt that way in the Europa League too. It just feels nice to kind of feel like you sort of have the ball in your court at home for the second leg because then it sort of feels like you have full control. So basically, get a result in Portugal. If we could walk away with, you know, uh, my ideal situation would be a two nil, three nil. If I'm, if I'm obviously my ideal situation would be a ten nil. But you know, realistically, I'd love to just walk out with you know a couple goals scored, none conceded, and then you take it home and you just you play them off the park and you just basically suffocate them with a thousand passes. But how excited slash nervous are you heading into this game? Because man, it feels weird to be in a Champions League round of sixteen fixture. It has just been so long. Yeah. Uh... I was in high school the last time it happened, and I've now graduated from college. So, yeah. Same, and I'm an old man. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty neat. It's I'd say I have butterflies, but they're not necessarily nervous butterflies, again, because I know the quality of this team, and I know what we can do and what we probably will do against Porto, um, especially because they're an open team that likes to press high and likes to play high octane and likes to, you know, play an open game, which we know how well that suits us. But again, it is, it is a European knockout stage that is, that has kind of been this team's bogey fixture for a while, uh, especially, I mean, I say, especially under Arteta as if we didn't lose four nil to um, Chelsea and also get creamed by Atletico uh, in the Europe league under Emery. But, um, yeah, man, I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I am hopefully not going to be working during it. If I can, you know, sort out, sort out something to, to get to a pub or to be home for it. That's, that's my big priority. I want to watch this game. I think the home leg will be, you know, more crucial in that regard, but just like man alive, it's, it's good to be back. It's good to be where we belong at the end of the day. It's good to be home, you know, and um, I agree with you as well. I like the uh, I like the um, morning, 
the, sorry, the morning, what am I saying? The, the, the away fixture first. Um, my brain is entirely fried. Uh, I do like the away fixture first. I like just being able to, as you said, have that security, but also I think the, the best way to get the measure of a team is to play them at home. You know, we've shown even this season that big atmospheres can play us off the park. Uh, not necessarily like, but against, you know, in our knockout stage, we got beaten by a big atmosphere more than we did by the team we played. And I think just having that be the beginning and be the standard and leaving ourselves some time to recover if it does go poorly is nice to have because I think I'm I'm very confident about this home leg. But at the end of the day, uh, I think we're going to win both. I agree. I, I could see a, a pretty jammy, maybe stressful 1-0 away from home. I think we're kind of due one of those after some really electrifying, fluid, attacking performances. It would just be, you know, very Mikel Arteta and very Arsenal to play an extremely slow, cagey 1-0 get out of Porto with, uh, you know, out any dings on your face, which I would be totally fine with um, because, knock on wood, all that stuff, not to jinx or anything, I don't think they can get any sort of a result at the Emirates. So the most important thing is to just basically win there would be ideal, but avoid a loss at all costs. Um, I think going into this, in, into, the, into the round of 16, the last um, 16 of the competition, Mikel Arteta really has a point to prove because... His European record at the moment is nothing short of utterly pathetic. Um, our performances in the Europa League were embarrassing under him. And um, it's, it, I think it's a real coffee stain, if you like, on his, on his resume at the moment. And he's going to want to turn that right more than anybody else's because he's a fantastic manager. And... He, we, we've talked about this in, in the past. The Champions League now is easier to win than the Premier League because we just said who the top three best teams in the world are. It's us, Man City, and Liverpool, and they're all in the same league. We won't have to deal with Liverpool in the Champions League. And there is a, there is a possibility we won't have to deal with Man City either. It's not likely at all, but it is a possibility. Um, so this is huge, huge for Mikel Arteta, and it's also huge for our young players, man. They're mental states were questioned a lot last season after we quote unquote bottled the league. I don't think we bottled the league, to be honest. I think uh, William Saliba's back and body bottled <laughs> its fitness, but I don't think there was any real bottling from us, to be honest. I think it was just, we kind of ran out of gas in Man City, our, our killers, and they took advantage of us uh, running out of uh, petrol, as the Brits would say. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, frankly, I'm a bit nervous, actually, if I, if I could say it. I'm, I'm a bit of a nervous Nelly anyway. But while I think we're going to win, I think it's just because we've been away from the Champions League for so long. I am a bit anxious heading into this one because I think it is just such a big, big fixture for the history of this club. That said, I think, truly, to, to be a bit more positive as we're drawing this bad boy to a close... I think Arsenal have a really good chance of winning this competition. I, listen to the sentence I'm saying, Mac. Arsenal have a good chance at winning the Champions League. Crazy. I mean, how, the, how far we've come just in the past, you know, half a decade 
It's, it's just incredible, man. I mean, uh, uh, genuinely. Um, but I, I think we really have to tr- have to. Av- well, we can't really try to avoid any teams. There's nothing we could do about it now. It's who you ever you get, it's who you get. Um, but if we could avoid the likes of Man City and Real Madrid, those are the only two teams I fear in the entire competition. And Madrid, I just fear because of Aura. <laughs> I think we would beat them. Like I, I think. Talent-wise, we're a better team, but they just have that mystique about them, the terrifying to play. Um, whereas Man City are are actually a bit better than us, um, in spite of what the Chelsea scoreline at the moment may may tell you. Um, Mac, I don't really have anything else to add, though. Keep it nice and tight. Put it out for the people to enjoy. We're the fastest Arsenal podcast in the world, so there you go, folks. Keep listening. Keep leaving reviews. We appreciate it. Um, Because, yeah, if you keep leaving reviews and if you keep listening, we're going to keep releasing them this quickly. So you will have same-day Arsenal content to to swallow and gobble up for free. You know? So so there you go. Uh, Mac, Marketing Opportunity of a Lifetime. Ooh, love you, Arsenal. Uh, yeah. I heard that correction. I heard that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I've done it twice now. Uh, we love you, Arsenal.com. And all of the articles that I'm, that Rob and I are going to promise to write and then not write. Although, there may be a fitness frolic out at some point soon, which I think you promised on the last show and have not yet delivered, unless I'm wrong. Correct. Get it out. <laughs> Get it done. Well, to um, be fair, last last one I plugged a pre-existing one. True. But I did true. say there's going to be another one coming. Which didn't come, but now one. there is one coming because I've already started writing it. So. Bang. Uh, very excited for that. But yeah, man. Uh, and then also all of us on socials because we crave your attention. Uh, <laughs> um, hence why Daniel's mentioned the early recording time twice in this show. But no, honestly, actually, like having the, the, the listens light up and having so many of you interact with the show is really, really cool. So we'd love it if you would continue. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the, the issue is, Mac, that um, we are not going to get them to listen from saying this at the end of the show if they're not listening already. So we're in a bit of a conundrum with regards to that. So if, if you folks can just like maybe screen record this bit on your Spotify or Apple uh, podcast and just post it, you know, just Take us begging. Twitter, yeah. Abs- <laughs> a- a- absolutely shelling out for listens at the moment. Please, we'll do anything. Mark it for me, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Fintan's Frolic is coming. It's going to be about David Raya. Actually, who I was just who I was just talking about a bit. Um, I won't say what it's about, really, but it's it's, it's going to drop, and and I think you'll, I think you'll like it, and you'll probably uh, uh, relate to it. And it was, I, I'm not going to say anything else about it. We'll keep it as a surprise. Obviously, find that and all of the amazing content at weloveyouarsenal.com. Um, shout out to Alfie, who's in like South Dakota or wherever the heck he is. Um, <laughs> Because, uh, you know, since he's been away, Arsenal just turned into the greatest team to ever exist. So, Alfie, please, please, please. going away. Yes, continue going away. Just Never. farther and farther from us. No voice notes, no participation, just vibes. Dude, never come back from Equatorial Guinea or wherever you're at. Just stay there, and Arsenal will remain the best. Equatorial and we will... Guinea. 
we will win nice the done. Champions League as long as you secure your citizenship in Bolivia. Folks. Brother, brothers in Mauritania right now, like <laughs> Mauritius. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, it, it, gotta, actually, it is gorgeous where he is, to be fair. He's been sending us pictures. Oh, it's man. amazing. It, it looks outrageous. I, I, I really, I did not know that Montana was that beautiful. I mean, <laughs> I just, I don't want anyone to know where he is. The beautiful, um, the beautiful sights of Nova Scotia. <laughs> of Detroit, oh Michigan. <laughs> Reno, Nevada, baby. <laughs> City of dreams. All right. Let's 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 end this shit. We're we're, we're, just, well, we're, I, we're rambling we're, in American right now, which is not fluent to most really of our are. listeners. We really are. Uh, um, usually, we have a British guy say something at the end. Uh, Mac, would it be okay if I do a British accent to maybe do your say, best, Alfie? Because he's not here. <gasps> Sorry, De Bruyne has almost scored a rocket. Oh my God. lord! He, it, he it does a, love he, 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 he tried to do one of those, like the Dimitri Payet free kick. He was. He hit the roof of the net on one of those. It was inches away. Yeah. Sa- same like big arc and dip. Oh, that was exciting. Anyway. Joe, Joe, All right. Here's my best Alfie impersonation. Do it. What are you saying, lads? Uh, you know, uh, um, over in Thailand, in it, uh, like Magnum Sipper, uh, in it, in it. We need awesome. a song in it. We need a song in it. <laughs> we do. What, what's the... What's the uh, what's I'm the so song? loud. Yeah, I'm decent. I'm decent. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to swallow <laughs> my microphone for a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm decent. I'm decent. What are you saying, Daniel? Not much. It's just the intro. Uh, let's... Uh, we do need a song. How do, how do we want to go about this? Do you have one in mind, or...? No. <laughs> Not helpful at all. What's... What's something to do with Burnley? Uh, Burnley FC have an official playlist on Spotify. Oh, really? Pull it up. Let's see what's going yeah. on. Oh, I'm just looking at it. We've got the Premier League anthem. Um, the first two are both Pete Tong, Club to Death and Galvanize, which are big. But the fourth one is Summer of 69 by Brian Adams, and I'm in. Are we down All for right. that? Yeah, sure. Because we need a 69 nil. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, <laughs> Anywho, Summer of 69 by uh, by Brian Adams is going to start playing right now. There you and go. Yes. We, we entice you to share and to leave a review and to comment. Only leave a review if it's five stars, of course. But um, right. you know how it is. Uh, yeah, I'm yes. for some reason, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that, too. <laughs> well, we just this is what we kind of are going to do like at the end of these shows now is just because Rob did a thing that uh, Alfie tried to pull my wig off for, but you where I was every like, time. no, no, it. but it it was it, different. It, it was cool. It was cool. It, yeah, it was like we were like just talking, you know, whatever. We yeah, didn't yeah. like seem like we were presenting at all, you know, which, which I thought I like. was pretty neat. Yeah. It was just so it was like you know how like '80s songs will just like go off into forever, yeah. like they just get quieter yeah. and quieter. The band is just, you know, playing their music, but you just can't hear them. They're out of earshot. Um, yeah, kind of summer of 69, because we fucked Burnley. Oh, got him. Got him. Nice. Fucking got him. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of, like, like war? Thanks, y'all, for listening. We'll see you next time.